Pipe him aloft again, matey. If we can dream it, we can do it. Great, let's proceed to the rough road test. The moving platform is traveling at the same speed as your vehicle. Our next stop is Disney's Polynesian Resort. W. Hello and welcome back to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I'm your host, Lou Mangiello, and thank you for tuning in once again. This is show number 40 for the week of November 11th, 2007. I'm back from an abbreviated trip aboard the Disney Magic with not only some news and rumors from Walt Disney World, but some fun exclusive audio from the trip. I had a chance to interview Captain Tom Forberg, captain of the Disney Magic, to find out what it's like to command the flagship of the Disney Cruise Line fleet. The group that I put together was also given a private tour of the bridge with the captain, where I recorded some of the questions and answers about this fascinating ship. The captain's assistant also spoke with me about her position as the captain's side and what life is like aboard the Disney Magic. Jonathan Dichter is back with another Voices Behind the Magic segment, and of course, I'll answer some more of your emails at the end of the show. So as always, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. To start off this week's news from Walt Disney World, I actually just got back from an unscheduled couple of days in Walt Disney World after getting off an abbreviated trip on the Disney Magic. And in addition to some truly magical moments that my family and I experienced, I was fortunate enough to see the first official test of the new Cinderella Castle Dreamlights. And let me say, they are spectacular. Because in addition to the lighting of the castle, there's a new show that can be seen both on the stage and on the castle balcony as well. Kind of the show before the show, it stars Disney characters like Mickey and Minnie and some of the other Fab Five on stage, and they're looking at the lights on Main Street USA, but they're wondering about the castle and why doesn't the castle have lights? Well, of course, magically, the fairy godmother appears, as well as Cinderella and Prince Charming, and they all agree with Cinderella that her castle needs to be sparkling, much like the way her glass slipper does, and... In a wave of her wand, something truly unbelievable happens as the castle comes to life and it's shimmering in this sort of blanket of ice. I have to say that words and pictures, and I will put pictures up in this week's show notes, do not do this justice. The castle looks absolutely incredible and it really can be seen from everywhere in the Magic Kingdom and is absolutely beautiful. It's not overdone and the light aren't kind of like your traditional white Christmas lights that you might see hanging like icicles on a house. What they've really done is something really, really spectacular with the effects. They've done more than 200,000 very tiny sort of white lights. There's 15 miles of cable. It took more than five weeks and two cranes to install. There's 32,000 square feet of fishing nets. Now, you can't see them when the lights are off and from a distance, but if you do get up close to the castle, you can see them uh, very faintly. And there's 200,000 LEDs, And that's why they seem to sparkle and shimmer and shine like ice as opposed to traditional lights. There's also now 500 strobes on the castle up from the old 350 that the castle had before it. The show was at 545. That's what you're going to see during the holiday season. 
You're going to see it uh, in addition and before things like Holiday Wishes and before uh, Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party and the new Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas Time Parade. The new show and uh, castle lighting ceremony is called Cinderella's Holiday Wished, and I tell you, it is definitely not to be missed. Make sure you get there. Not that there's a bad seat in the house to see the castle glow, but uh, if you can, get up close so you can see the stage show because it really, really is something spectacular and a very nice addition during the holidays. And while I was there, I, of course, took my trip down Main Street and took a look over at the Main Street Cinema, where uh, we now can see what exactly is going to be coming to replace the Virtual Magic Kingdom, which did close at the end of September, because now it says, Coming soon, the Art of Disney. So it is official that the Art of Disney will be coming to the Magic Kingdom on Main Street. I personally am very happy to see this. I enjoy the Art of Disney store uh, in downtown Disney as well as in Epcot. So I'm I'm happy to see uh, another location for this as well. It wouldn't be news if we didn't talk about dining at Walt Disney World. And as you may or may not have heard, if you are an annual pass holder, chances are you have or should have the Disney Dining Experience card. Well, Disney did send out an email this week to let people know that they have changed their policies about automatic gratuities. Because as of January 1st, 2008, there will be an automatic 18% gratuity that will be added to all Disney Dining Experience transactions. Now, there's a couple of things that you should note. It is only at table service restaurant locations as well as lounges and it's for all transactions regardless of party size so they will not add a gratuity to any counter service food cart or quick service locations Uh, in the past they would only add a gratuity for larger parties of around eight or more guests who use the disney dining experience card now as of january it'll be for any table service location if you use the card no matter uh, where it is, as long as it's a table service restaurant. So while people might be saying that this might be um, a move by Disney to try and uh, get more out or it sort of negates what the card does, you should know that this adjustment really has, has kind of brought the Disney Dining Experience program up with other dining experiences where gratuities are automatically included. You still do get the discount. The card is still uh, something you should you should definitely have if you're an annual pass holder because of the discounts that you can get. And speaking of the Disney Dining Experience cards, as of last week, November 11th, you used to only be able to pick up your card. If you ordered the card online and it wasn't going to arrive at your house before you left on vacation, you could only pick it up at Epcot Guest Relations. Well, now you can pick it up at Guest Relations at Epcot, the Magic Kingdom, Animal Kingdom, the Disney MGM Studios, or Downtown Disney. And you can actually purchase your Disney Dining Experience card right there. And remember, the card is available to both annual pass holders and to Florida residents only. It is uh, about $65 a year and very much well worth it, even with the included gratuity uh, starting later on next year. And of course, speaking of dining, when I was at Disney's Animal Kingdom this past Sunday, I was passing the Yak and Yeti, and I saw several people actually being served inside. Uh, so they must be doing some testing because it is going to be opening up this week. And I did see cast members on the outside painting some of the finer details, taking down some tarps, obviously getting ready for the restaurant to open. Uh, the menu has now been released, and according to Disney, it's going to offer great food and great spirited family fun. And according to the story, the proprietor and his family traveled all over Southeast Asia, collecting unique and unusual and exotic souvenirs. And his restaurant, the Yak and Yeti, is situated at the base of Mount Everest in the small town of Anandapur. And the sights, sounds, and energy in the village are a beacon for the villagers and tourists who are eager to meet, greet, barter, eat, and socialize as they move throughout their day. So it's a place for the familiar and the exotic, 
a place for family and friends, tourists, and above all, a place to immerse yourself in a culture that is exciting, exotic, and mysterious. Now, the hours of operation are going to be for lunch from 10 a.m. to 3.45 p.m. Dinner is going to be from 4 o'clock until park closing. That very does vary by the season. As far as prices, appetizers are, are going to start at about $6.99, entrees at about $13.99, and desserts at $5.99. Now, the menu is going to include things like steamed mussels, egg rolls, chicken fried rice, pot stickers, crispy honey chicken, sweet and sour pork, kung pao beef, shrimp lo mein, maple tamarind chicken, mandarin chicken salad, baby back ribs, duck and cream cheese wontons with grilled pineapple. Now, there's also going to be a kid's menu that starts at $7.49. That includes chicken bites, chicken fried rice with an egg roll, burgers, and vegetable lo mein. Now, advanced dining reservations are not going to open until December 3rd, 2007, and that's only going to be for January 4th and beyond, obviously up to 180 days in advance. They will offer walk-ups from November 14th through January 3rd, 2008. So if you do want to eat at Yak and Yeti, you can definitely just walk right up. The market is going to open on November 14th, and the restaurant is going to participate in all the Disney Dining Plan programs starting on January 1st. Now, the participation of the market itself in the Disney Dining Plan has yet to be announced, so we don't really know what's going to happen there. But if you are a pass holder or a DVC member, you can get a 10% discount on adult entrees and a 15% discount on non-sale items at the retail locations. Pass holders and DVC members can also apply the discounts to themselves and up to three guests. So um, as soon as somebody has a chance to try out the Yak and Yeti, I'd love to hear your review. I'd love to see some pictures from the inside. By all means, please call the voicemail or send them over to me via email. Also, while I was at Disney's Animal Kingdom, I did notice something um, that now obviously makes one of my questions in the books obsolete because they now offer something that they hadn't before, and that's drinking straws. Because formerly, drinking straws and balloons were not sold in the park because of fear of uh, having problems with the animals. But now, unlike traditional plastic straws, what they have done is they now have straws that are paper and they're lined with a very thin coat of wax. And according to some of the cast members that I spoke to, if an animal does happen to swallow one, if a guest happens to drop one, an animal does happen to swallow it, it will break down very, very quickly and easily and will not cause harm to any of the wildlife in Disney's Animal Kingdom. So obviously there must have been some sort of concern or questions or complaints from guests about it, especially for kids not being able to have straws. So uh, you will find straws now, but you should note that they will not cause any sort of danger to the animals at all. Finally, the Wilderness Lodge and Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort and Campground have both been designated by the Florida Department of Environmental Protection as members of the Florida Green Lodging Program. These two latest resorts bring Disney's total to 11 green lodges of the 50 throughout Florida, keeping with Disney's continuing efforts to be environmentally friendly. So that's going to do it for this week's news. Obviously, if you have any news that you want to report, anything that you want to share with us, you can send it over to Lou at WDWRadio.com. You can call the voicemail at 206-202-4WDW, or you can talk about any of these things in the forums over at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. And because I have just two very quick rumors, we'll include those here. The first, while I was at uh, the Magic Kingdom last week and I was talking to some of the cast members that I know there about how the holiday decorations were up so early this year, one of them hinted to me that next year you're going to start seeing Halloween decorations and the first Halloween party in August 
Yeah, he says that the at the end of August is when you should expect to start seeing the first of Mickey's not-so-scary Halloween parties, uh, evidencing the trend of making the parties starting earlier and earlier. As I said, Mickey's uh, Very Merry Christmas Party starts on November 12th this year, so you see they're definitely starting to give as many people as much opportunity as they can to experience both of these parties. And finally, it looks like the Disney Pals Room over in the judge's tent in Mickey's Toontown Fair is going to be home to Tinkerbell and some of her fairy friends as it's going to be refurbished at the end of the year to become the Disney Fairies Room. Cast members are being auditioned now for the role of Tinkerbell and some of the other fairies. So as far as the rest of the displaced Disney Pals, no worries because they won't be going away for good. Instead, you'll likely now be able to meet and greet them in and around Toontown when the Fairies Room reopens in early 2008. Again, head on over to the forums if you want to discuss any of these rumors or contact me via email or voicemail if you have any new rumors that you want to share. It's Thursday morning aboard the Disney Magic. And you know, when we use, when we talk about Disney, we use words like dreams and magic. And today, those words are even more so appropriate as we get the opportunity to talk to somebody who makes dreams every, every day aboard the Disney Magic. And uh, it's my distinct pleasure to be able to sit down and have a chance to talk to Captain Tom Forberg of the Disney Magic. Good morning, Captain. Thank you very much for taking time this morning. My pleasure. Thank you. Good morning to all of you. It's a pleasure to meet you. And, you know, like I said, when we talk about Disney, we, we, we talk about dreams and, and we, we talk about magic and, and making these dreams come true. Uh, you, you are obviously somebody who is obviously must have had their dreams come true because you are a captain of, of the, the flagship of the Disney Cruise Line fleet. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you were able to get uh, such a position? Yeah, I've been in this business uh, for, for many, many years. Uh, I started out in the Norwegian Navy. Uh, and then uh, after some time, you know, uh, I, I left the Navy for the cruise ships. So I've been in this business for uh, more than 30 years. I've been captain with uh, many other cruise lines before Disney. Um, the last cruise line before Disney was Crystal Cruises. And I was the first captain employed by Disney. And uh, I spent... Uh, four years in Italy, being part of the team supervising the construction of the two first Disney ships. I was the first captain on this one. Uh, in, uh, I brought the ship over from Italy, where the ship was built in 1998, and I went back for the sister ship, the Disney Wonder, and brought the Disney Wonder out in 1999. And now we are looking forward to our next ships. Yeah, it's, it's exciting with Disney having made the announcement that they are building some additional ships, but how does it come to you being a captain of other ships? I mean, does Disney just call you up one day and say, hey, we're happy to be building a cruise ship? Yeah, you know, I, as I said, I've been in this business for, uh, for more than 30 years, and I've been a captain for almost 28 years now. So, uh, yeah, they, uh, they called me up and, if, uh, and asked me if I was interested, yes. And how quickly, how long did it take you to say yes? <laughs> well, everybody knows Disney as a company and, and what it stands for. So uh, I was very honored by that. And, uh, of course, I accepted. And uh, I never regret that. It has been a, a fantastic company to work for. I've been here, as I said, I was the first one employed uh, on board the ships. And I've been here 
since 1995, so uh, 12 years uh, plus. So you were able to see a lot of the construction going on over in Fincantieri shipyards? Yeah, I was there uh, when the first piece of steel was cut. So tell us, if you can, a little bit about what, what a typical day in the like, uh, life is like for, for the captain of a ship like this. Well, uh, as a captain, you are res- responsible for, for the entire operation. So, of course, you need to have a detailed knowledge about uh, every part of the operation, whether it's entertainment, food and beverage, housekeeping, or whatever. So, of course, uh, you have a, uh, we have a steering committee uh, that uh, reports directly to the captain. That is the cruise director, the hotel director, chief engineer, and the staff captain, HR manager. And, of course, I'm involved in all kinds of inspections, meetings uh, uh, throughout, uh, throughout the day. And then in and out of ports, navigation itself. Um, because for the captain, you know, the, the, the safety and security of all the guests will always be the number one priority. But some people do think that I'm on the bridge steering the ship all the time, but uh, I don't have time for that, you know, as uh, so many other things going on around the ship. So I, I will be on the bridge then when it's a difficult navigation and also when we go in and out of port. Uh, to maneuver the ship in and out of port is only two persons that really can do that, and that is the captain and the, and the, the second in command, the staff captain. So it's long days. And uh, you were talking about your crew, and obviously it's the crew and the cast that makes all this magic happen. Um, tell us about you know, the size of the crew and kind of the makeup of, of what the crew is. Well, we, we carry almost 1,000 uh, crew members representing uh, 58 nationalities. <clears throat> so they're coming all, from all around the world. Uh, we try to recruit the best there is out there in each and every country. We have uh, procurement allies uh, in various places around the world, and we have a very dedicated, focused uh, um, recruiting team then that goes from country to country uh, to make sure that we do recruit uh, the best of the best uh, talent there is out there. And it shows, obviously, um, throughout the ship from from Stemster. Uh, I I can imagine all the years that you've been with Disney and been captain of the ship, you must have had some incredible moments both with the guests and probably some things that happened on the bridge. If you had to maybe pick out one of your most memorable moments um, throughout your years as captain, what would it be? Well, I think that uh, that's when I took the the ship out the first time, you know, uh, and uh, arriving here in in Port Canaveral for the first time, the christening of the ships and these things, as it was the first Disney ship, that was something that uh, you will never forget. That's my most memorable moment, for sure. I can imagine. One of the things I remember seeing um, on TV, TV was how they brought the two halves of the ship together, uh, which was just such an incredible engineering feat to be able to get those two to line up, having been built so far away. Yeah, you know, uh, this ship, because of uh, time restraint, we had to build... Uh, the, the ship in two different shipyards, 100 miles uh, apart from each other. So the, the aft part was built in, in Venice, uh, Italy, and then the, the forward part in uh, Ancona. So then we towed these two big pieces then, uh, or the, the forward piece all the way from Ancona to Venice, 100 miles. 
And of course, the weather had to be perfect. You know, to do an operation like this, so we had to wait for nice weather. But uh, it went very well. And uh, as everything is being laser measured and welded now, you know, the two pieces fit together, we know, uh, perfectly. So it was not a problem. Amazing. Amazing engineering feat, yeah. uh, what they were able to do. And, and obviously, we have this beautiful ship. But what I want to do is I want to give um, some of the other people here a chance to ask you some questions, if that's okay. Good morning, Captain Cheryl Doherty, Galaxy Cruises and Tours. My husband, Sean, and I had the pleasure of being at the christening and sailing on the first sailing with you at Port Canaveral. And it was probably one of the emotional, most emotional moments of my life. So I absolutely agree with you on that. Um, taking all of the business, the, the business part aside of running the ship and the day-to-day activities, how do you feel when you look at the picture of... Um, Walt Disney and his wife on board, I guess it was Kennard back then, Sean, that he was on. Is it, was it Kennard Lou, do you know? Uh, walking with, with, the, with the Mickey Mouse and his, like, dangling from his arm, walking on board the ship, and knowing that you were the person who actually brought one of his dreams to fruition and actually were in Walt's place to have, have the launching of the ship. How does that make you feel as, as a person taking the business part aside? It's no question. Uh, I'm very honored to be the first captain here and... Uh, and uh, as this is a completely new business uh, for Disney, a little bit different from what they have been doing before. Uh, so I was very honored that uh, I was chosen to, to be the first captain and bring the ships over. Uh, but it fits into the way of uh, Disney doing business to have cruise ships. And also now one of the focus points is, of course, globalization. And, and with the ships, you are very flexible. You can move from one country to the other. Uh, so uh, we can bring our guests all, all over the world and uh, now with two more ships uh, uh, being built in Germany that is going to be each of them is going to be 50% larger than these ships uh, we will have so much more flexibility when it comes to itineraries and, uh, and we are really looking forward to go to new places and our guests are very much looking forward to, to new places and that's what we will be able to offer our guests now when we launch our third ship in 2011 and and the fourth ship in 2012. Good morning captain. Um, You work where we vacation. Where do you like to vacation? Yeah you know I'm Norwegian but I I don't really live in Norway anymore. It's too cold for me there. (laughs) So uh, I'm not a I'm not a Viking anymore. I'm more like a Caribbean Viking. I like I like the nice weather. So uh, I, most of my time off I spend in Italy. I'm married to, uh, to a, an Italian, so uh, um, we spend a lot of time in Italy and, of course, uh, Florida as well. And, uh, you know, I go on a recruiting trip all around the world as well. So uh, we go all over. And, uh, but I, like, I, li- I don't like to travel too much when I'm off the ship because I'm traveling all the time. But now and then... And Italy is such a great country, you know, with so many things to see and do there. So as you live in Italy, vacationing in Italy is uh, something I do more than anything else. Yeah, yeah good morning, Captain. Uh, from a technical view, what, what do you like uh, about this cruise liner over some of the other ones that you were on? Well, we have some of the most uh, advanced equipment on these ships, but now these ships are 10 years uh, old already. So, uh, of course, our new ships is going to be even more advanced technically than these ships are. But uh, 
Uh, I must say that this ship is, is a fantastic ship. It's, um, even though it's a large ship, uh, it, uh, it doesn't feel like a large ship, the way, the, the way we built the ship and the layout of the ship. And uh, when it comes to stability, I've never been on a ship that is uh, as stable as this ship. We notice that very well when we go through real bad weather, uh, see how st stable the ship is uh, compared with many, many other ships. I think that is due to the construction of the hull. Uh, most of the new ships today, they are very boxy in order to maximize the space. Uh, Disney shows to build the ship uh, more like the old ocean liners of the past, you know, with a, with a better, more better design, the hull. And of course, we lost a lot of uh, uh, cabins in that process, but we rather like to have a ship that is good looking and has a very good stability. And this is also what we're going to do with our new ships coming online. Thanks for joining us, Captain. I'm wondering about the new ships. Uh, are we going to have uh, challenges with Castaway Key and uh, other ports with a much larger ship? Uh, this ship here is, uh, is, is 960 feet, and the new ones will be more than 1,100 feet. So, of course, we will have to maybe be on the, on the island. The only thing we need to do there is pretty much doing a little bit of dredging and then build another dolphin because the ship is much longer. So we can uh, be able to have the mooring lines uh, uh, in place. Uh, so it's, uh, it's not going to be that much uh, different. Uh, in men's, most of the ports we, can, uh, we will have no problems at all. Uh, but it's small things that needs to be done uh, here and there. Because there's already a lot of big ships out there, you know. So uh, it's not going to be too much that we really need to do. And for the island, as I said, it's, it's minor work. Do you know if you'll be able to captain one of the new ships or if they're going to go through another process of, of choosing a captain? No, I will probably go over there for the, for the new ships. Yeah, yeah. Any clue as to what the name might be? Well, we don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I had to ask. I had to ask. We don't know that. Morning, Captain. Um, as being engaged on your ship this week, we were wondering how many wedding ceremonies do you prefer and where do you prefer to do them? No, it's pretty, it's pretty much uh, two to three a week, yeah, and uh, we either do it in session or, or uh, deck seven aft, uh, open deck, uh, if it's nice weather, but uh, most of them will be done in, in session. Yeah. Good morning, Captain. I was just wondering, um, since my last uh, sailing in 2000, I see that booking uh, the cruises in advance is a, a big deal now here. Is that something that's going to come over with the Vacation Club? Are, are these going to be preferred areas on the new ship? The way uh, we do booking is probably not going to change too much uh, for the new ships. We'll probably follow the same pattern as we, as we have uh, today. Um, the size of the ship, do you know the capacity of the passengers for the new ships? I know they're going to be well over 100,000 tons. Well, the ships will be 122,000 tons, yeah. Uh, and uh, we are looking at close to 4,000 guests and the 1,400 crew. How does that compare? These ships here, we do carry 2,700 guests and, and, and approximately 1,000 crew. So uh, that'll, make this one, that'll make the new ships one of the largest ships at sea? No, there are larger ships out there, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They are building larger and larger ships today, but they are going to be a good size. 
where would you like the ships to go, or do you have a preference and a say as to where the new ships will be going? Well, uh, you know, we will always have ships uh, cruising out of Port, uh, Port Canaveral uh, into the Caribbean. And of course, as I said, we will have more and more flexibility uh, the more ships we have. So, um, and with these ships, now we have already been uh, been around. We have been to the best coast through the Panama Canal one time, and we're going back in 2008. This summer, we went to the Mediterranean with uh, this ship, which was extremely successful. Uh, the guests uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. So, uh, once we get the new ships, as I said, we haven't really decided yet, and uh, and there is a lot of opportunities, uh, and uh, with the. Uh, more than 35% repeat guests, you know, we will we'll need to come up with new and interesting itineraries, and that's what we will do. But where we are going and when, we have not decided yet. Just my last question for you. With the, the 10th anniversary of the Disney Cruise Line coming up very soon, do you know, are there any plans to celebrate that at all um, during that year or any sort of special events? Well, uh, uh, at this time, I don't know what it's going to... Uh, I'm trying to get a scoop from you for something. <laughs> I, I don't know uh, what is going to happen at that time. Sorry. All right. Captain Tom Forberg, uh, obviously captain of the Disney Magic. Thank you so much for taking time out of what is, I know, an incredibly busy schedule for you. On, and on behalf of myself and everybody here and all the guests that you have really made magic for uh, for the past um, almost 10 years, thank you very much for all that you do. And we look forward to seeing you again. Thank you very much, and uh, have a nice cruise. Also, while we were on board, Disney was able to arrange for me and some other people in the group, only about 10 of us, a private exclusive tour of the bridge with the captain. We had a chance to go up on deck while the ship was over in port and meet with the captain and one of the other uh, members of the crew uh, of the bridge and kind of get a chance to look around, take some pictures, which I will post in the show notes, as well as ask the the captain some questions about what goes on the bridge and on the Disney magic. So I'm going to go ahead and play just a little bit of an excerpt from the time we spent on the bridge for you right now. And we'll be off by 14.55. <laughs> come on in, guys. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Just a few more. A few more back there. Hi, Erica. Come on. There we go. Very good afternoon to all of you. Thank you. Welcome to the bridge. How did you find the island today? Beautiful. I think that's how we found it. The weather can't be much better than this. I told them this is the best weather we've had in a long time. Yeah. They're very fortunate. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Parasailing gives you a great view of the ship and oh, the yes, island. Yes. Yeah. So you did parasailing? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. great. Yeah. You guys have any questions? Yeah, yeah, questions? Normally, like, barometric pressure hasn't, like, moved at all. Trip, even though we've had, like, weather. Yeah. If it starts moving, then we, then we get worried. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So it's better this day, yeah. Uh, typically, like, this is time of year? Well, uh, here in the Caribbean, we are pretty much blessed with nice weather all the time, you know, uh, except when the storms are passing, hurricanes. But that's normally not the problem for us, because when there's a storm or a hurricane coming, we just go around. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's, it's okay. We may change our itinerary a little bit, you know, but other than that, uh, we stay out. But anyway, with the ship, like this, we can just go through a hurricane, no problem. If you want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't want to. 
I know there was a documentary on the TV about the, when the ship was in dry dock and they were doing all the maintenance. And I noticed that the stern is it's kind of like flat in the back and, and the way it kind of lips over. Is that for stability? It has to do with the hydrodynamics. It's the friction of the ship going through the water. And this is also why we have the bulbous bow in front. It breaks the water in such a way when the water flow along the ship side is less friction. Right. And also the way the ship is designed at the stern helps 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 out for the friction. So we, we do more speed with this bulbous bow we increase the speed with half a knot, which uh, means a lot when it comes to fuel consumption. Mm-hmm. You know, every day we, we, we consume fuel for about sixty, seventy thousand dollars. One gallon only takes us fifty feet. So it's not a very good mileage. <laughs> yeah. So all these things is, has to do with design. Sure. Yeah. Hydrodynamics. Okay. Good I'll question. Say, that's a very good question. Any others, guys? What's that third button on the right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but he knows. You're asking the right person. Yeah, there is a steering wheel. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, uh, when Captain Hook is driving, you always like to use the steering wheel. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, he has only one arm, you know, so... Uh, but he's pretty steady at the wheel anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> when the ship's at sea, about how many people normally occupy and, and work on the bridge? We have, uh, we have uh, normally an, one officer on quartermaster, and uh, during nighttime we have two officers on a quartermaster. The ship is on... A, we can program uh, everything here, you know, so once we uh, are out of here now, we just... Uh, ship will be on autopilot and then it will change course by itself until we reach the final destination. So we have, uh, we have several officers and the quartermaster and lookout of course on the bridge uh, sail. When we were talking the other day you mentioned that there's only two people on board that are allowed to pilot the ship into a port? Not allowed but it, that is uh, it's, uh, really has all the training and also the, uh, the, the chief officer is also a practicing all the time so we can, most of the time we have three people that is pretty comfortable on maneuvering the ship uh, in and out of course but of course the captain will always be the one that supervises that uh, so it's either the captain or the staff captain that uh, normally do it then, and sometimes chief also yeah. Yeah, any ports you go into where they have people that come and steer the boat in or are you guys yeah, nobody's coming to steer this boat in <laughs> we, have a, we, we have pilots coming on board, but they don't. They don't maneuver the ship. Gotcha. Yeah, they don't know. How, they are not trained. They don't know how to maneuver. They're just ship. assisting you to tell they, you. No, it's mandatory to pay take a pilot. Gotcha. Yeah. But, uh, Is that every port that you go into, or just some? Not this one. This is our own port. So here we don't need. <laughs> don't need that. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Is there any more difficulty backing it up or pulling in forward? Pardon? When, when you're docking the ship, is it just easier to back okay, in? You or? probably have seen that in every port uh, we go to, we are backing in, and there's a reason for that. You control the ships much better when you back the ship in. And also, if something happens, it's always easier to get out again. Mm-hmm. Right? Anything else, guys? Uh, uh, you mentioned the other day about how stable the ship is, and there's, yeah. there's a couple of big stabilizers. So, 
how, how do they, are they sliding out or are they, they folding down? <coughs> now they are retracted in the head. Once we are outside, we push the bottom here and they will be extended so uh, 20 feet, 20 by 4 feet. And they are located midships, 20 feet below the water line. They are controlled by a gyro computer. So when the ship starts, they need to list the one side. The stabilizers has flaps too, so they start to, to work against, uh, to, to, to reduce the list then. So they reduce the sideways slowly with up to 90%. So they save us a lot of drama meal. Save us a lot of drama meal. How many backup computer systems do you have? More than enough. <laughs> yeah. We, have, we have backup system for everything. And you can do everything manually too. Okay. Yeah. So uh, <coughs> that's not a problem. Are there a number of different crews that rotate through, you know, on a every every so often a number of months? Yeah, you know, we have, uh, as I said, uh, we have uh, 1,000 crew members on board, and many of them are in different uh, rotations. Some stay uh, three months, some stay four months, six months. So every port can ever we have about 60, 60 to 80 people rotating off for vacation every Saturday, 60, around 60 to 80 people. All right, guys, we've got time for one last question, and then we'll have to wrap it up and head out so these guys can get on our way. Any last question for anybody? All right. Oh, okay. And the um, Pirates of the Caribbean movie, <laughs> they talked about where the sun sets, and there's a flash of light, and I was told that that's true. What's that? When the sun sets, there's a green flash of light. No, that could happen in certain conditions. Right, I saw the sky has to be completely but clear. But that doesn't happen uh, all the time. But it may happen that they will see this uh, this flash, uh, especially in the Orient. You see it better. Mm-hmm. But uh, Have you ever seen it has to be. So, I see it. It has to be certain conditions then uh, for that to happen. So that doesn't happen every time. Yeah. Almost anywhere you can think to see Captain keep Thomas on, uh, sailed. Keep so. on uh, looking for it. Uh, <laughs> He's seen it. That's not a good. Just don't ask us to rock the boat so we flip it over. <laughs> That's no good. Thank you very much, Captain Tom. We are going to thank you for coming to the bridge. Thank you. You have a great last evening on board, and we hope to see you back again soon. Thank you. Thank you very much, Captain. We just finished a, an exclusive bridge tour with the captain, and we had a chance to meet Robin, who is the captain's... Assistant. The captain's assistant. Now, Robin, tell us, what does the captain's assistant do? Because that just sounds like it may be the coolest job, next to being the captain on board. Um, it's, it's fun. I'm a secretary. I do a lot of paperwork. Um, I provide support to the captain and um, all of his officers up on the bridge and navigation, and um, also to safety, security, and environmental, and all the maintenance um, people all the guys out in yellow that are out cleaning the boat and i help them out as well i'm sure it's a little bit more exciting than the paperwork that you make reference to because you smiled when you said that so what is that what is a kind of a typical day for robin look like um it depends on what the day is um i have uh, different things I have to get done every day i take care of a visitor request for every port that we go into uh, make sure that our uh, security lists are um, correct for all the ports and any visitors that are coming on board um i take care of a couple shipwide um shipwide programs for allowing visitors on board and um, visitors of crew that come on board and um, as well as family of crew members that we have sailing as well. Um, I do a lot of uh, various input for training paperwork, um, training documentation, um, any kind of... 
there's so many things <laughs> I'm trying to trying to remember it all. But there's a lot that I um I do. It's a lot of little things, but they add up to be a, a, a huge job. So take care of all of the work permits for the guys, all of our guys that are working aloft and um, hanging on the side of the ship, um, cleaning the windows and painting the side of the ship. I take care of all their work permits, make sure those are filed correctly. Anybody uh, diving under the hull, I have to make sure those uh, paperwork's filed correctly and that we keep that for a certain length of time on board as well. So Definitely does not sound like a nine-to-five, punch-in, punch-out kind of job. It's an eight-to-eight punch-in, punch-out <laughs> kind of job, but it's, um, it's completely worth it. I love it. I have a one-minute commute. So, you know, when you take away all your commute, being an eight-to-eight job, it's it's worth it, you know. I have and the view isn't all that bad either. The view, um, you know, when I look outside and I see this bright blue ocean, um, depending on where we happen to be and the weather at the time, I can call home and brag to my family that I'm staring at this gorgeous Caribbean ocean, and they're not. <laughs> How long have you been um, with the Magic in this position? Uh, I've been the captain's assistant since August of 2004, so a little over three years now. Um, I have done, for the past three years, I've done the swing position, which I've switched ships each contract, so I do half of my time on the Magic and half of my time on the Wonder as well. Um, this contract is my first one. I'm doing a full contract here on the Magic, and I will be a permanent here Magic for the for all future contracts. So. That's what I was going to ask. Do you follow the captain? Are you, are you sort of, for lack of a better term, married to the captain, or are you married to the ship? Um, I follow my rotation of my schedule. Um, we do, uh, the captains do about three months on and two months off, and uh, I do five months on and two and a half months off. So I've worked with all four captains on board, all of the staff captains as well. I, um, I work with everybody, depending on which ship I happen to be on at the time. We have a, se- a separate schedule, so... And I'm married to somebody in the engine room, not the ship or the captain. Let's get that clear. (laughs) How did you, um, when you joined the Magic, was this the position you joined at, or did you kind of sort of move your way up? I started in January of 2004 in youth activities. I was a youth activities counselor with the three- and four-year-olds, and then I moved up to the five- to seven-year-olds and kind of uh, bounced. It was a ping-pong ball for a while. I bounced in between the age groups. Um, I did one-and-a-half contracts there before uh, this position was um, posted and offered to me, so... Yeah, it was, a, it was a, an interesting start. I love working with the kids still. Even now, I pop into the clubs and the nursery to spend time with the children and just have fun. It's another one of those stories where you kind of start in one position and end up having, you know, what for for a a non crew member seems like it would be a very very exciting job just because you work so closely with the captain and you know of what you get to do every day. I it is it's um it's an interesting way and you have you find quite a lot of crew members that do that they start in in one position and then they've taken two or three other positions throughout and you know I know um one of our restaurant managers she started in housekeeping and then went up to hotel director's assistant and then to uh, dining room and you know, now she's a, a restaurant manager so it's like um, we pride ourselves on Disney prides ourselves on being able to offer those opportunities to transfer with, to other departments and to move up in the company so and that's the way it is I've, I've had a chance to speak to a lot of Disney legends and, and Imagineers and, things, and they started taking tickets or they started sell, you know Tony Baxter started selling ice cream in Disneyland and now he's you know for all intents and purposes the head of Imagineering so yeah, and even one of our uh, one of the most popular um, cartoonist uh, Don Ducky Williams mm-hmm. he started as just a um, he started just sending in lots of sketches for a long time. They wouldn't even talk to him. And then he started being a character artist in Magic Kingdom, you know, one of something that you just see on the side of the street. But now he's one of our, um, our most important character artists and provides so many, um, so many characters for us and pictures. So it's amazing how it all works. 
Did you work for the company at all before you started on the cruise line? Or I did not. You, I, you've got the cast member look to you. you I could see you <laughs> definitely as a, as, a, as a Disney World cast member or something like that. That's why I asked. No, I um, I actually, I was at, um, I from Texas originally, and so I was in the oil and gas industry before I, um, I came to <laughs> Disney, which is kind of a, yeah. a different <laughs> far cry uh, there. But um, it's just... When all my friends found out that I had applied for the job, they're like, oh, you'll get it. You're Disney. I'm like, okay. I take that as a compliment. So um, I've loved being here. It's uh, the end of this contract. It'll be four years with the company, and I've loved every year of it. So I've had a great time, got to see some amazing places, and met my husband. So, you, oh, know. you met him on board? Mm-hmm. We met on board in May of 2005 during our Panama Canal cruise. Um, and then uh, we've just gotten to know each other, and we got married this past vacation. So On board? Uh, no, we got married in his home country in the Philippines, so we're going to do another wedding. Um, we did something with his family in the Philippines last vacation, so we'll be with my family uh, wedding in Texas this vacation. So. And you plan on staying on after this contract is over? We'll be here for another couple contracts. Um, it's a great opportunity for us both to get some amazing experience, and then eventually we'll, uh, when we're ready to start a family, we'll work our way off the ship. But it's a great opportunity for us both to get some great experience and make amazing contacts. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to not only talk to me, talk to me, but give us a chance to, to tour the bridge. Obviously, one of those once-in-a-lifetime kind of things for us to see. Oh, it's my pleasure. You guys have a great evening. Thank you. Hello, WDW Radio listeners, and welcome back to the Voices Behind the Magic. This is Jonathan the Voice Dictor, owner of voiceofmousetunes.blogspot.com and co-host of the All About the Mouse Disney podcast. This week on Voices Behind the Magic, we profile yet another famous television actor, whose voice was frequently lended to create some Disney magic. Born in the Bronx, New York, on October 20th, 1935, Jerome Bernard Orbach was an American actor best known for his starring role as Detective Lenny Briscoe in the Law & Order television series. However, he was also an accomplished Broadway and off-Broadway actor. His first major role was that of El Gallo in the original cast of the decade-running hit The Fantastics. He starred in Carnival, the musical version of the movie Lily. He also starred in Guys and Dolls, Promises, Promises, Chicago, 42nd Street, and a revival of The Cradle Will Rock. In the 1980s, however, he shifted to film work. Prominent roles included a corrupt police detective in Sidney Lumet's Prince of the City, Jennifer Grey's father in Dirty Dancing, a cold-blooded killer in the Woody Allen drama Crime and Misdemeanors, and of course, for Disney fans, the voice of Lumiere in Disney's animated musical hit, Beauty and the Beast. And who'd have guessed it come together on their own? Orbach would reprise the role of Lumiere in every video sequel, as well as the House of Mouse television series. Be our guest, be our guest, put our service to the test. Orbach would return as Lumiere again for the Kingdom Hearts video game series, and is also credited with creating the role of Pierre in the new Enchanted Tiki Room under new management. Life is so unnerving for a servant who's not serving. 
He's not whole without a soul to wait upon. Throughout his career, Mr. Orbach lived in a high-rise off 8th Avenue in Hell's Kitchen in New York and was a fixture in Manhattan neighborhood restaurants and shops. His glossy publicity photo still hangs in Ms. Buffy's French Cleaners. He was a regular at nearby Italian restaurants. As of 2007, the intersection of 8th Avenue and 53rd Street was renamed in honor of Jerry Orbach. In early December of 2004, however, it was announced that Jerry Orbach had been receiving treatment for prostate cancer since the spring of 2004. And at the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York, Jerry Orbach passed away on December 28th of 2004. At the time of his death, it was announced that his cancer had been diagnosed more than 10 years before. In his honor, the day after his death, the lights on Broadway were dimmed in mourning. In February of 2005, he was posthumously awarded a Screen Actors Guild Award for outstanding performance by a male actor in a drama series. Despite this incredible career, to Disney fans, Jerry Orbach, the voice of Lumiere, will always be one of the voices behind the magic. Let's get to some more of your emails. The first comes from Gary in Birmingham in the UK who writes, Lou, I enjoy listening to the show every week to get my Disney fix. I'm visiting Walt Disney World in March of 2008. Would it be wise to book character meals in advance or wait till we get there? Gary, I can answer that right there. Definitely book your character meals at far in advance and possible. They do book up very, very early, especially if you are going to be going in March. You might be going around spring break time. Definitely, definitely try and book them as soon as you can 180 days out. He goes on to say, we're not on the dining plan, but we are thinking about booking a Hoop-dee-doo review. Does this have any characters in it? What does the show involve, and is it worth seeing? I have two boys, ages three and eight. Would they like it? Thanks, and congratulations. Best regards, Gary. Gary, I definitely think your boys and you would like the Hoop-dee-doo review. There are no characters in there, but it really is kind of a raucous, what Disney describes as kind of a rootin' tootin', vaudeville-style review. It's a very interactive kind of show where you can kind of sing and clap along with the Pioneer Hall players. Uh, people often get brought up on stage. It's a lot of fun. Very, very family-friendly. It is a uh, an all-you-can-eat kind of American hoedown. So you get things like fried chicken, a bucket of barbecue ribs, corn, baked beans, salad, bread, and the legendary strawberry shortcake for dessert. Adults get unlimited draft beer, wine, and sangria, as well as soft drinks. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I definitely think you should do it. It's one of those things that uh, I think everybody who goes to Disney should definitely try at least once. And I think once you go, you'll probably want to go again. The show is very, very popular. So you do have to make reservations and you do have to get your reservations in early. You also need to prepay for your reservations, although there is a cancellation policy in case you cannot uh, attend. But if you cannot and you don't cancel, you will uh, probably be charged a certain uh, fee for not canceling. I was there a couple years ago. My daughter was about two at the time, and we all had a really, really good time. There's not a bad seat in the house. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's a great way to spend the evening over at Fort Wilderness. So 
The next email comes from Bob in Ottawa, Canada, who said, Lou, great podcast. Love your books. They ha- this may have been answered before, and if so, I'm sorry. But we're planning our trip for January 2008. We wanted to go on the 9th until the 17th, as my wife's birthday is on the 10th. The question is, how are the crowds in the parks affected around the marathon weekend? Will they increase that week before or after? We're very flexible on the dates. Would it be better to go the 16th to the 24th? Also, historically, are there usually annual pass room discounts around this time? I know this is a test of question, but can you give me the insight anyway? I'd be there and back by the time they answer. Just a joke. I listen religiously to them both. Thanks and good luck in the marathon, Bob. Bob, from what I understand, the crowds in the theme parks around Marathon Weekend are not incredibly uh, that much higher than they would be normally. Uh, You do obviously get an additional crowd in there for the half and the full marathon, uh, as well as the goofy marathon and half challenge. But I don't think the crowds are going to be exceptionally high. So I don't think you're going to run into a problem going either that week or the week after. As far as annual pass room discounts, I did some checking around for you. And if you do go between January 1st and uh, February 13th, there are some annual pass holder discounts. You can use the code FHD, as in Frank Harry David. Uh, Your price, don't forget, is going to be based on a day-by-day basis. It doesn't go the way it used to in the past, whereas if you started uh, your trip during value season, uh, the rate would extend as the value rate. Some sample rates that you could look for would be around $49 for value resorts, uh, $99 for moderates. Uh, Some of the other resorts might be $175 for Animal Kingdom Lodge, about $200 for Wilderness Lodge. And again, these these rooms do sell out very quickly. You can also try uh, going online to get certain rates. You can also call Disney directly. I could also suggest going through a travel agent because they'll be able to kind of keep an eye on the rates, do the best they can to find you the lowest possible discount prices uh, that are available. But uh, yeah, you absolutely can get discounts during that time, and uh, I think it's a great time of year to go. And if you're around the marathon, by all means, um, come by Celebration Hospital and visit me and say hello. So uh, next email comes from Scott Williamson, who says, Lou, I've got a couple of questions for you. Have you ever personally rented DVC points? Do you know much about the process? I was considering doing this for my next trip down to the world, but I'm unsure of how I feel about it. Thanks for the help, and keep up the great work. See ya. Scott, I have done it before. A couple years ago, my wife and I did try renting points, uh, but partially because I wanted to try the experience out. Um, I did go to an online community where there was sort of a, um, a, a forum specifically about people who were renting points and had points to rent. Um, and, and I rented them for the Boardwalk Villas. I found a good price and negotiated a good price with somebody. Uh, unfortunately, the hurricane was that week, so I had to cancel and reschedule for the week after. And this is where I'm going to talk to you about some of the pros and cons about renting points because when you do you definitely have to take a serious leap of faith and have a very high trust of the person that you're renting them from because when they make the reservation they need to make it for you you don't necessarily get these points call up the dvc resort and make the reservation they have to do it for you put your name down enter all your information in in my case when i needed to change my reservation I had to call the woman at 12.30 at night when I saw the hurricane was coming, ask her to call and see if she could change the reservation for me that night because I was powerless to do anything. I could not call even though the reservation was in my name. You cannot do anything. So if you are going to rent points from somebody, uh, I definitely suggest renting points from somebody who has a reputation of being trustworthy and very easily accessible that will give you their home phone number and cell phone number and be willing to work with you. You can also... Uh, look around and see what points are going for and negotiate depending on how many points that you want or need to rent. Uh, but again, that you know that that's some of the 
like I said, leap of faith that you have to take. The advantage is that you can stay in some great resorts for much, much less than you would be if you were paying the rack rates, especially touring some of the busier times a year. But again, you've got to be willing to kind of put your fate in somebody else's hands. And if you're willing to do that, and if you find somebody like I did that was very, very trustworthy, very, very easy to work with, uh, you'll, you'll have a wonderful experience as long as you don't mind relinquishing some of that control. Courtney from Long Island wrote and said, Lou, I'm planning a trip to Walt Disney World and I was wondering, is it better to go for Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party or Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party? Thanks, Lou. Love the show. Courtney, that, that is the question that uh, is often debated and I think it really depends on what you want to get out, what time of year you enjoy. I really like both hard ticketed events. I know there have been some people that complain that it's expensive for what you get, but I really think it's it's worth it. I, like I said, I like them both. It's hard for me to choose between the two. Um, I think that the Halloween parade is, uh, is excellent. I, I think it's exceptional, but there's something about going during Christmas time. There's something about the snow on Main Street and the music and the Christmas parade and now at the castle with the lights. Uh, there, there's so much to it. And uh, I think you get an enhanced experience going during the holiday time because there's so much to see, not just during in the Magic Kingdom, during the Christmas party, but all around the resorts. Uh, you can go to some of the resort hotels and see the gingerbread house, see how all the other theme parks are decorated. Um, I guess if I had to really choose one or the other, I would probably lean towards the Christmas party. Again, that's not to take anything away from the Halloween party. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. They have some pretty unique things going on. Again, the Booty You Parade is probably the best parade for any of the hard-ticketed events. But uh, all in all, I think Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party you wouldn't be disappointed with. Next email comes from Adam in Pawkatuck, Connecticut. And he says, Lou, I was listening to a recent episode of some other podcast and heard something interesting that I had never heard before and thought, in light of your recent Epcot retrospective, you could confirm or deny this fact. When speaking about Horizons, it was mentioned that it was intended to be a sequel to the Carousel of Progress. There were links that made sense, with GE being a sponsor at one time or another, but it just didn't make a ton of sense to me, so I thought maybe you could shed some light on the subject. Thanks in advance. Well, Adam, you're right. The uh, Horizons has been described and really is meant to be sort of a sequel to the Carousel of Progress. And like you said, there are some very specific links that you could make above and beyond just GE being the sponsor. In fact, you could find throughout Horizons in one scene, you could see that they were singing the best time of your life in the home of future living scene. But if you think about it, the Carousel of Progress kind of took you from the past up to the present, sort of kind of the immediate future, where Horizons really extended that into the more distant future. And they followed the concept and I think this is where the, the tie really comes in of the family unit and the family kind of growing and expanding and how they're able to still keep in touch and communicate throughout the years. And there's a lot of themes that kind of permeate both attractions. And if you kind of sit through both and again, go back to the Horizon retrospective that we did, you'll see 